Good morning. Come as you are. Hmm. I hated gym class. Not because I didn't like uh, physical activities. I liked, I, liked, I liked playing soccer. I liked running. I liked uh, my mom, believe it or not, back in those days, and she would call me a little squirrel because I would just be going everywhere all the time really fast. And, uh, but I hated gym class when I came to the United States because I was never chosen on teams. Have you ever experienced this? You're sitting there and people are picking and... Of course, I didn't know the sports. I, I had no idea, and I didn't really care. I was like, yeah, just, I'll do whatever you need me to do. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm in, you know. And, but just to, just to be like one of the last ones, you know, to be chosen. And sometimes it was just, you know, me and this really short girl. And they would pick the girl before me, you know. And, and I'm like, wow, what is up with that? You know, I hated not being chosen. I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I wasn't part of it, you know. And then there was this one game. I, I don't know what sadistic, distressed, disturbed, athletic director came up with this game called dodgeball. Have you ever? What kind of a, what kind of a game is that? How many of you like dodgeball? Raise your hand. I'm going to invite you to come up after church right over here in front of a prayer for you. Right in front here. And what was the point of that game, right? The point of that game, it was kind of like, like a battle in the gym, but instead of guns, they used balls, right? And it was just like, they would just kind of fling these things. We didn't have this in Italy, by the way. There was no such thing as dodgeball, and, except for you, if you were a goalie. That would be the only thing. But, but then you didn't dodge. You tried to catch it, right? That was the only person that got a ball at them, you know? So I'm like, dodgeball, what kind of a stupid game is that, right? And we had this one guy named Ricky Baglioni. He's actually, his, his name was really Baglioni. And he was a big guy. And, and poor guy, man, they, they really messed up his name. They used to call him Bag of Baloney, you know. And I, he was such, he was like one of the nicest guys in school, one of, the, one of the few guys that befriended me in school. And, but he would have this thing when he would play dodgeball. You know, he was big, right? So he, he'd catch it. And then kind of, you know, people would be like trying to duck, and while people are ducking without, people are even realizing he would put the ball behind them. So like all of a sudden, instead of like six balls, there was like only one ball left. And everyone's going, what, what happened, you know? And, and, and it was just, it was great to be on Ricky's team because Ricky hid the balls. I love that, you know? And, and if, I, if I wanted to survive dodgeball, I would stand behind Ricky. You know, why not? I want to tell you something. I believe the church has been playing dodgeball ever since its inception. I believe the enemy has been throwing darts at us, things at us, ever since day one. I'm going to talk to you about the early church today. Once Jesus ascended, do you think everything went well? Do you think everything went smooth? I want to tell you right now, it did not. There were problems. There were challenges. Because the enemy kept trying to attack 
the church. In fact, at one point, he has this guy named Saul, we talked about him in Sabbath school this morning, attack the church. And then one day he finds out that he's on the wrong team. And he's been throwing the ball to the wrong side, at the, at the wrong side, not to, sorry, at the wrong side. And he turns from Saul to Paul, signifying, I'm going to be on the other team now. We talked a little bit about him last week. Remember, this is the guy that Jesus meets on the way to Damascus. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Remember that? Like, why are you throwing those balls at me? What's going on? What's up with that? And so Paul decides he is going to be on the winning team. He realizes that's the winning team. And I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be Ricky. I'm going to be the one that you can stand behind. It's almost as if uh, God told this. Like, I I don't tell too many people this, but I I want you to know a, a, a secret conversation that I think happened. I believe Jesus told Paul this on the way to Damascus, and this is why Paul decided to be engaged in what he was doing. God said to Jesus, look, you know, you've done a good job with the guys that you've chosen. They're, They're good guys. You know, they're Jewish. They're nice. Tax collectors, fishermen, that's great. Uh, and, and you, but you've kind of put them in charge of this ent- enterprise. And, and to be honest with you, they're just not getting the job done. Right? It's kind of it's like sticking to their own. We need somebody that's willing to go to all the world. So why don't we do this? You, you leave them there in Jerusalem, and let's take Paul, this guy who's action-oriented, this guy who's a go-getter, this guy who gets things done. Let's take Paul, and let's send them to the rest of the world. Think about that. Most of the disciples stayed in Israel, in Jerusalem, until a little later. And Paul was the one who was the apostle to the Gentiles, which basically meant the apostle to the rest of the world. Because God knew he could trust this guy to get stuff done. Amen? So he's doing it. He is going from place to place, and he is winning converts, Gentiles, to Jesus. Think about that. I mean, these are people that, that, that knew very little about what had happened in Jerusalem in those days. And Paul is going around and he's telling them. These are people that believed in other gods. And Paul was going around telling them about the God, the Messiah of the Jewish people. And back in those days, by the way, there was really no separate religion. There was, it wasn't like, you know, here's Jews and then here's Christians. No, Christianity was an extension of Judaism. So when you became a believer, you were just kind of a believer that was a Jew that believed in the Messiah. Does that make sense? They always believed in the Messiah, but now the Messiah came. They've been waiting for the Messiah, and now the Messiah came. And that's what Paul was telling them. And as he is doing this, he is being very culturally sensitive to their needs and to what's going on. And then one day something happens. We're going to read from Acts chapter 15, and we're actually going to be in Acts chapter 15 quite a bit. And if you have your Bibles, you can go in there. If you're the kind of person like me that likes to go into your Bible, go into it. If not, it's going to be on the screen. We're going to get, start with verse 1, and it says this. 
some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers. Some men were teaching the brothers something that Paul was not teaching them. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be what? Saved. Now, I'm going to go here for a moment. If you thought that we are difficult on people in becoming part of our church, guys especially, just, I want you to think about what's happening here in this moment. All right? Like, the requirement was surgery. Think about that, right? We want you to have surgery. And guys, you know what kind of surgery. I don't have to get into it. <laughs> surgery to become part of this church. How many, how many of you guys would join? I mean, think about what, was going, what would have been going on in those days if that had actually happened, you know? Mom and, mom and dad be driving the kids to church. Mom and, and, and the kids would we'd be going in, and dad would be like, I'll be, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to sit here. I'll be here when you come out, I promise you, right? There'd be like a little van outside with a little red cross, you know? They made it easy, right? They try this. Can you believe that? Surgery. That was the thing to do. If you wanted to be, that's what they were expecting. So they decided, and this is the first time that it happens, they decide we must have a meeting to discuss this. Right? This is what the church does. This is the first family council that ever happened right here. Some people call it a business meeting, but that's so boring. We call it a family council. This was the first family. They all got together and said, okay, let's discuss this a little bit here. Because Paul and Barnabas, they're really kind of going nuts over here. They're really doing a bunch of stuff, and there's, there's a lot of converts. And you know what? They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't. Do you understand what I'm talking about? In fact, it says here, catch this. It says, uh, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. Like there was actually a question about it. Can you imagine being Paul and Barnabas? I want you to think this through for a moment. Hey guys, we're going up to Jerusalem because there is a question. I don't want you to get over excited about it too soon, but I need you to pray really hard, guys especially. I need you to really pray because we may come back and there may be some changes. In fact, let me just tell you straight out, they're looking for surgery, circumcision. Can you imagine, if you ever wanted to see a bunch of guys come together and pray, <laughs> this was it right here, man. They're all coming together going, oh, man, we got to pray for this, man. This is not, man, I, you know, 
you know, people are making decisions and they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're all praying together. Wives are praying because they don't want their husbands not to come to church, you know. Kids are praying, please, let Papa come to church. Let that, that surgery be the issue, you know. They're just all together trying to figure this out. And, and Paul and Barnabas says, no, look, we're going to go fight for this. We're going to do whatever we have to do. But please know, you've got to be praying, all right? Because this is meeting. This family council is coming together. I want you to know something. In every moment that God's heart needs to be rightly represented, he inspires people, both men and women, to speak up. Do you believe that? And Paul and Barnabas, they decided, you know, we're going to go and we're going to speak up for you. We're going to do what we have to do. The church was embryonic. The Christianity was just now becoming this new movement, this this. this gathering of people that believed in the Messiah. The church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. They're giving this great news. Man, let me tell you what's happening here. 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 The news made all the brothers very glad. All the brothers, what? Very glad, it says. And then when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. So they're giving this great report. Look, let's start with a good report. Let's not get into argument. Let's just start with, like, what's been happening. Maybe that will be enough. Then some of the, what? Believers. These are what? Believers. I don't want you to miss this. Who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. Can you believe this? In the early church, there were Pharisees. You can thank Nick and Joe for that. These were believers, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, who were Pharisees who began to spread the word. And Pharisees began to believe. They didn't believe because of the doctrine. They didn't believe because of the miracles. They believed primarily because they couldn't explain away the fact that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And so it's like, okay, that, he must have been the Messiah. And so they are now believers. I know what you're thinking. There's Pharisees even today, right? Yes, absolutely. And we must love them as the church loved them then. How are we doing? You're kind of quiet tonight, today. I don't know, is it the word circumcision that's causing you guys to be quiet? Take a deep breath. It's okay. We're not going to do that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> the Gentiles must be circumcised, they said. They stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. If they're going to be believers, they get, look, come on. They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't act like us. Look, there's got to come a point where we have to control this. And what are the people going to say is happening to the Jewish religion? 
I mean, people are going to look at them and go, oh, you're a Jew? I mean, what's good? what about our image? We've been God's holy people all this time. What, what are you? Come on. Have you ever been? Can I tell you, can I tell you what, what's really at stake here? Do you understand what's really at stake here? What they're really asking? What they're really saying? It really isn't circumcision. What they're really asking is, who is going to be a church person? Who is allowed to join? Here's the problem. We don't join anything. I can't stand the word members. Members is like a club. Can I be honest with you? You are not members when you become part of God's army. You are enlisted as soldiers for Jesus. We are in war. Do you know that, right? Now, here's the good news. You're going to win. That's the good news. But we are in a war. That's it. This is not a club. You don't get to kind of join the membership. But that's what they were saying. Well, who's going to get to join? Who's going to be part? Who's going to be a church person here? Because they got to look like us, act like us. They, they, they got to be circumcised like us. And if they don't, well, then, you know, some of you, some of you in this congregation have experienced this, haven't you? You've been to churches. You've been to churches that uh, maybe, maybe your parents were divorced. Or maybe, maybe you were pregnant out of wedlock. Or maybe it was your sister that was pregnant. And you went to church, and they began to look at you differently and talk to you differently. Maybe, maybe you had left the church for a long, long time, and you decided to come back. And maybe your dress was a little shorter, or you're, 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 you had more jewelry on. Or, you know, you, you, you looked different. You had tattoos and, and nose rings. And, and people looked at you differently. And you felt like you didn't belong. You felt like nobody was picking you on their team. They tolerated you. Some churches didn't even do that. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys have been through that. Maybe some of you had interesting habits or you, the music choice that you listened to wasn't the same anymore. And you didn't feel like you belonged. I love what people say when they come to church. They're like, you know, I feel like we belong. I feel like we can just come as we are. That's why we sing that song. You can come. That's why we say, come as you are, leave inspired. We believe that. I love the fact that people come to the church and they go, this is not like any other church I've been to. This church is different. So I want you to know something. Even though you might have felt like you didn't measure up at that church, you do here. You matter here. Amen. Yes, please know that. Here at the Richland Seventh-day Adventist Church, you matter, you measure up, we are all broken, and we're all in this together. That's the reality here. So I want you to know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that we are committed to accepting you like Jesus accepted, to serving you like Jesus accepted, and to love you like Jesus accepted, loved you, because that's the way we, that's, that's who our model is. Not Moses. Jesus. Now, don't forget, by the way, if you don't know the story of Paul, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he says. It's not like he didn't know that stuff. It's not like he was like, well, I don't know what you guys are talking about. You know, I'm a convert. No. 
Now, Paul understood it all, but he also knew something about God. He also had met Jesus on the way to Damascus, and something had changed in his life. And he was more concerned about reaching out to them, to those people that God had sent them to, and to help them to feel accepted and embraced. And said, look, I'm going to leave everything else to the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be your judge. I'm not going to be your, I'm, not, I'm just going to, I'm going to teach you about Jesus and him crucified. And then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit take care of you. How cool is that? So, these guys stood up. And they said, look, if they're going to be members, they're going to need surgery. And some of the believers stood up, it says. And it wasn't just surgery, by the way. They had all kinds of other laws. Have you noticed that? When you read about what, they they had laws about laws about laws. They had like over 600 laws. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Like, it wasn't even just Moses now. It was like even there, they had laws to not break the laws. You know what I'm talking about, right? I remember when I, I, I again, I, I wasn't raised a Seventh-day Adventist. And, uh, I remember when I was becoming a, a brand new Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, I, I went to a, a youth event. I was like, okay, cool, man. And, and I went there, and they, they didn't have, like, regular cards. And I'm like, next time i got to bring my cards. They had these stupid cards called Rook cards, which I love now, by the way. But at the time, I'm like, what's with the cards? So I brought my deck of cards, and people, nobody would play with me. I didn't belong. Like, why not? I found out later why I couldn't play with the cards. Because God does not want us to gamble. I agree with that. Gambling is an addiction. It can destroy and ruin people's lives. I get that. But we have to have a law about the law. And, it, and, and a lot of times people gamble with cards. And if you have an ace on a card or something like that, that may, even though you may not want to gamble, you may be playing with those cards and they could lead you to gambling. You see what I'm saying? So we made this law about the law. You know what I'm talking about. And I want you to go through your mind about how we do this all so often about so many other things. We kind of make our own laws. We're like, okay, God, God doesn't want us to gamble, so therefore no cards, and therefore only rook cards, and therefore, you know, and we just go on and on and on and on. As if you couldn't gamble with rook cards, by the way. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> I've, never, I've never done that, just so you know, but just, you know. <laughs> okay, I won't go there. Let's, let's, let's continue here. So the apostles and elders met to consider this question, uh, verse 6. And then number 7, I love this. After much discussion, Peter. I, I have to say this about Peter. This is not like Peter. Peter doesn't wait till after much discussion. Peter is now a new man, isn't he? Peter is the guy that's like always kind of like, wait, hold on, hold on, wait, stop that. And he'd be arguing. The whole, no, Peter's like, I'm going to just let them discuss this. And then after much discussion, Peter, I believe, I believe Dr. Luke said this on purpose this way. Because he wanted us to know that Peter was changing. 
Peter was being transformed from the inside out. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. And he starts to tell them, you know the story, right? Where he has the dream, and the dream is about unclean animals, unclean according to the Jewish tradition. And then in the dream, he's told, eat. And Peter says, uh-uh, I can't eat that, I'm a Jew. And God says, do not call unclean what I have called clean. And it wasn't long before he began to realize this was not about food. This was about the way they felt about Gentiles. And so he goes to Cornelius' house. Remember this story? How many of you remember this story? Some of you remember this story. Good. If you don't, look it up. It's in the book of Acts. It's fantastic. Earlier on. And he goes there, and all of a sudden, boom, he, he experiences this great, fantastic high from bringing Gentiles to Jesus. And he realizes they are receiving the Holy Spirit just like we have been. God is honoring them like he has been honoring us. How cool is that, right? And then he says these words. He says, God who knows the heart. I love that. God who knows. You know what I'm talking about, right? This is like, you know, moms. Moms do this all the time. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, he broke in and, and, you know, stole a whole bunch of money, but he's got a good what? He's got a good heart, right? And we're like, no, he doesn't, <laughs> right? Moms, moms can look beyond all that stuff. No, you don't know my son. He's got a good heart, right? This is what Peter is saying. God who knows, can you imagine if all churches across the world all christian churches would use that as their motto i don't know but i know one who knows the heart how cool would that be right god who knows come as you are god knows your heart man does not look on the outward appearance but what on the inward i mean did we get that this has been over and over throughout the Bible. We talked about it with David. Remember that? Like we, we're always about the image. We're always about the outside. We're always about, it's, forget about that. Forget about that. Trust me on this one, okay? Trust me on this one. God knows the heart. Some of you are here because God knows your heart. And everybody else doesn't, and everybody else doesn't accept you, and everybody else doesn't welcome you, but you're here because you know here it's okay. Right, Charlie? God knows the heart. I watched Bob come up here and gave that amazing emotional announcement about that family, Kendron and, and Kelsey, and I mean, and just. What's happening, that's unbelievable, right? And, and I know Bob has been visiting and, and, and praying with them and helping them through this. And he's here with his sweatpants on. and a, You know, any other church that would have been like, get out of here, right? You can't go up there like this. What are, you, what are you doing, right? Not in this church. Come on, Bob, right? You know what I'm talking about? Come as you are, man. God knows the heart. 
If I preached with no tie on in some other churches, I would be looked down upon. You know that, right? <clears throat> in fact, now when I go and speak at other churches, and I want to be culturally sensitive, <coughs> excuse me, I will wear a tie, and I will feel really weird. <coughs> excuse me. I don't know if I can get some water. Thanks. I will wear a tie. Why? It's just because I think it's important to be culturally sensitive, but I, it's not me. Does that make sense? <coughs> I don't mind wearing a tie. It actually makes me look skinnier. I, you know, it's true. But it's just not me. If you're laughing at that, you're very cruel. Just so you know that. Just, just, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Laugh, man. It's okay. Thank you very much, Fred. You're awesome, man. All right. So, God knows the heart. Showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He made no distinction. He made what? No distinction between us and them. Even though they look different, they dress different, listen to different kind of music, they, they, they play different kind of games, there was no distinction between us and them. For he purified their hearts by what? By faith. Who did that? God did that. Did you notice that? See, God, we just got to leave it up to God. You understand that God does that, right? Can I, I, let me tell you. Things began to change in my life once I met God. And it was kind of this very slow, natural process, but God did it. Nobody else. In fact, all we can do, all we can do is modify behavior. All we could do at our best, even if we're really good, and most of us are not at it, by the way, but all we could do is Help somebody be reformed. But God is not looking for reform. He's looking for transform. And only God can transform the heart. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is not a reformation thing. This is a transformation thing. And guess what? I can tell you as a pastor, I can't transform you. I wish I could. I really do. There are times where I wish, there are some of you I wish I could transform. Seriously. But I can't. I don't have that power. There's nothing in me to do that. But God does. And all I could do and is all I'm going to do over and over again until you get sick of it. I'm going to take you to the foot of the cross and let God do what he's got to do. Because nobody can do it like God can do it. All right. Now when, now then, he says, <laughs> Peter, still talking. Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples' yoke that that neither we or nor our fathers have been able to bear. In other words, he's saying, look, let's be honest. Come on, Levi, I know you. You can't even do what you want him to do. All right? If you had to do it as an adult, you wouldn't have done it. And I know you. And, he, and, he's, and he's saying, come on, we are not even able to, to wear this yoke. Why are we pushing this on them? I'll never forget this. Talking, we, we had some, some graduate that graduated from Blue Mountain Academy, and they were really rebellious when they were students of Blue Mountain Academy. And we had to just uh, keep them, anything to do to keep them so that they would graduate, you know. And they came back for alumni week, and the, 
And they started coming up to us and go, Pastor, why are they wearing jewelry? Why are they doing this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I know you. You were pushing those buttons too. Yeah, what are you saying that for? And it's like, well, we were not allowed to do it. What is that about? We were not allowed, that's your reason? We were not allowed to do it? Listen, if you ever get, if you ever get tempted by the we were not allowed to do it mentality, I'm, I'm telling you right now, leave that at the foot of the cross. Right? That's the older brother syndrome, remember? Why are you throwing them a, him a party? You didn't throw one for me. Right? Remember that? The same thing over and over again. No, he says in verse 11. We believe it is through the grace. Say that word with me. Grace. Again, I say it again. Grace. All right, one more time. Thank you. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are what? Saved. That's it. That is it. Right there. We believe that, he says. Look, we believe that. Just as they what? Are. Isn't that awesome? The whole assembly became silent. Because this was Peter talking after he waited his turn. Peter. And as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, they, Barnabas and Paul's like, okay, this is it now. Get it now. <laughs> right? As they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous sign and wonders God had done among them, among the Gentiles, through them. I mean, it's just unbelievable. They just said, wait, hold on, we're not finished yet. You notice this all throughout the scripture. They keep saying, wait, we got more to tell you. Wait, we got more to tell you. Let me tell you about Timothy. Let me tell you about, uh, you know, Dorcas. Let me tell you about, I mean, they're just going over and over again, all these people, you know, Thaddeus. Let me tell you about this guy. Let me, I mean, they just, they couldn't believe it. Let me tell you about the Philippians. Let me tell you about, you know, the, the Corinthians. Let, let, and they just got story after, and they're just like amazed. Like God is doing a great work. God is doing a great work. And then finally, James spoke up. Now, just so we understand who James is, and there's actually, believe it or not, there's some theological differences about who, which James this is. Some believe this was James, the brother of John. Many believe that this was James, the brother of Jesus. Somehow, this James becomes Kind of like the leader of the assembly. He is well respected, even among the Pharisees. In fact, if you read the book of James, you'd see why, right? It's a pretty intense little, little letter that he, that, he, that he has, right? And so they understand that he is not some ultra-liberal guy. They, they know this guy really is, and if he truly was the brother of Jesus, can you imagine that? Right? Well, they got to listen to this guy now, right? So James speaks up. For whatever reason, whatever the authority was, he speaks up and he says, Brothers, listen to me. It's like total quiet. Simon, and even call him Peter, right? He, calls, he, st he still calls him by his original name. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking 
from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. And then he goes through this little quote from the Old Testament. So in case you don't think I know the Bible, let me quote to you from the Old Testament. And so he quotes, and then he says these words, and these words are so powerful. And I want us to totally embrace these words and understand these words because they mean so much. He says, it is my judgment. This is what I believe. This is what I think. Therefore, that we what? Say it with me. Should, verse 19, should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Wow. I wish I can go from church to church and people say to me, what is it about the Richland Church? I say, well, here's what it is. We are committed to not making it difficult for believers to come to Jesus. We are committed to do whatever it takes to remove the obstacles. We're going to be, we're going to be true to the word. We're going to be true to God no matter what. We're not going to make any apologies for who we are and what we do. But we're going to do whatever it takes. There are, there are obstacles that we're putting into place that we shouldn't. How are we doing? We are committed to this here at the Richland Church. That's why our church is growing. It isn't because there's a great preacher in town or because the music is so awesome. That's great. That's all good stuff. But ultimately, it is because of you, because of your personality, your desire to make people welcome, to not make it difficult for them to join. And we do this all the time. And there's church after church. I listen to horror stories. And I'm thinking, how is this possible? Why would you do that? Why would you say that? What gives you the right? Have you ever felt that way? Has a saint ever said something to you and you go like, what gives you the right? Who are you? Maybe. Maybe there's something broken about you. And if we knew about it, you may not be so bold. I love this that James says. And then he says, I love this. Instead, we should write to them. By the way, I, I think at this moment, Paul and Barnabas are going, oh, yes, these guys, yes, yes. I think we're going to be okay. You know, we're going to have good news. Telling them to abstain from food polluted to idols, from sexual immorality, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. Wow. And he says, well, and here's why, just in case you didn't know that James was a real Jew of Jews. He says, for Moses had, has been preaching in every city, has been, has been preached, excuse me, in every city from the earliest times, and is read in the synagogue on every Sabbath. In other words, they know this about us. Okay, so here's what we're going to do for them, to help them show that they are mature and spiritually sensitive, culturally sensitive. This is what we're going to do. And of course, sexual immorality. Let's be honest. That's, that's, that's got to stop. Apparently, there was some stuff going on. I don't know. <laughs> right? And so, they're like, oh, wait, 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 we went from 600 and something to three? Really? Wow, that's pretty good. I could do that, right? In verse 
Oh, by the way, let's go to 28. Sorry, let's go to 28. I, I love this. Because there are times that I speak with people and they think that the opposite. They think they're just not adequate enough to really make these kinds of decisions. But I, wanna, I, want, you, I want you to see what it says here. It says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Did you catch that? To the Holy Spirit and to us. Not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. I love that language, right? Just in case, you know, we don't have it 100%, just know it's not just us, it's also the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit and us. Isn't it great the way God trusts us to partner with the Holy Spirit? I mean, don't miss this. This is a beautiful sentence here. And then in verse 30, it says, The men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together. Can you imagine those guys? Please tell me. Good news. You know, I've been practicing. I don't know. I, you know. <laughs> Sorry. They gathered the church together and delivered the letter. And the people, catch this, read it and were glad, and I have in parentheses, especially the men, for its encouraging message. And I believe they threw a party. That's what I think. Really. Not because they didn't have to get circumcised, but because they were so convinced that this was God's church. Are you following what I'm saying here? They knew this is God's church. They get it. They get it. We get it. In December of 1903, December 17, 1903, after many attempts, the Wright brothers were successful in getting their flying machine up in the air and flying 120 feet. How cool is that, huh? After several attempts, they did it. So they sent a telegram to their sister, Catherine. We have actually flown 120 feet. We will be home for Christmas. She can't hardly contain herself. So Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper and said, look at this. And he glanced at it and said, wow, that is so nice. Two days later, on December 19, the headline on the sixth page was this. Right, brothers, we'll be home for Christmas. He had missed the most important part. They flew, for goodness sake. You know what I'm talking about? And this is what happens every day, and this is what was going on there. It was as if the disciples were going, ho, 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 stop with all the requirements. We are flying. God is in charge. The Holy Spirit is working. We're doing what God wants us to do. So don't you get discouraged. Don't you dare get discouraged no matter what happens. I'm going to tell you right now, God is in charge. 
God is large and in charge, and he's going to do amazing things. Don't you miss the most important point, that things are happening. God is making a huge difference. Do you believe it? So do you want to be part of the army? Not, not the club. Richland Church is not a club. Just so you know, you are enlisting, not joining. And we will do whatever we can to remove all the obstacles. And we will never dumb down the truth. We will always preach the word. And we will always lead you to the foot of the cross. In a few moments, you're going to be singing these words. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. Do you believe that? That I or that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus. Do you believe in the name of Jesus? Do you? If you do, stand up. If you believe in the resurrection, if you believe in everything I just read, stand up and sing this song. Let God know that you believe it with all your heart. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for making things so uncomplicated. Please forgive us, Lord, when we complicate things. Help us to follow the advice that Brother James gave us, Lord. Help us to do whatever it takes so that people that come to Richland Church can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we accept them and serve them and love them just as they are. Thank you, Lord, for this church and, and just the, the, the character that is perpetuated with every new person that walks in. We love you, Lord. Protect us and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray together.